In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own, unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. Listen up, uh, guys. I've got uh, I've got my crank up radio here. I've been cranking this thing all day long. So it is charged up. Let's get started. I thought and we were going to talk about cranking. Us. I know. That's right. <laughs> we are going to set. So I've got some goals for the podcast. We'll talk about it after this intro. Just let me crank it a little bit more. All right. Here we go. So off to a great start. We're good. We're good to go here. Here we go. Oh, I love this song. Ooh, get cookies. Sounds like a jam. We want pie. Not from the stove. Not from the sky. Watch us all fly to NY for a slice of Jenny's pie. Oh, you got to go to Fuck off the line. Cherries, apples, ripe with time. Bring them all to NY to be part of Jenny's pie. Is this D'Angelo? <laughs> this is too yes. basic. I want more. Junior mints, candy corn, Swedish fish, Snickers bars, throw it all into Jenny's pies. Sour Patch Kids, Juju Bees, Mike and Nike's Sugar Babies, Bag of Skittles, Hot Tamales, all part of Jenny's pies. Nice. What the hell is this all about? How can this be? Makes me shout. A pie with candy, I'd rather die. Bring me a real fucking pie. Lemon lime, banana cream, French silk, raspberry, pecan date, gooseberry. Please bring right me some actual pie. I'm so hungry right now. Pumpkin apple, huckleberry. I'll even take a little ice cream. Please don't mess with greatness, please. Just bring me some real pie. Fall in line. All in line for a slice of actual pie in NY, in NY, a slice of real fucking pie. I'd rather die, I'd rather die for a slice of real pie. Fall in line, fall in line for a slice of real pie. Oh my god, that was when so you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. But you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear from guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. That makes no sense anyway. Did it matter, Matt? You just gotta roll with it. That's one of the one of the pluses of you not listening is you can make all these jokes and make no sense to anyone. Welcome everybody to the therapeutic Davenport of Love. Just here for you freaks who want this exclusive content hanging out here with us. And with me, I've got three guys who are pretty much the opposite of D'Angelo in every single way I could possibly think what? of. Let's say hello. We've got Russ in Minnesota. Russ, how are you doing? I hope our, our listeners are enjoying this podcast in stereo from the left and to the right, the back, the middle, and the front. Pump it up in the club, a little bit of rub-a-dub. I know you love us because we're funky. We just want to show you some love. I'm assuming those are lyrics from this album, which I understood none of for the whole time. So great. I'm going to assume that's a great job. Matt, Minneapolis, how are you doing, Matt? Uh, doing excellent. I thought I'd get in on this uh, lyric game here. Oh, I love it. Drugs and thugs, women wine, three or four. At a time, watch them all stand in line to listen to Beck did it better. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Happy to be here, Rob. <laughs> and Thanks, I got man. Aaron out Good in California. Aaron, how are you doing? 
I don't like don't, when Matt brings all this energy at the beginning of the podcast. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> makes me tired. I'm tired. Don't yeah. make me do it, guys. Because if we're gonna do lyrics from the album, you know I'm gonna oh, no. want to go. You know I'm gonna want to go straight to Lia Lia set your p- on fire. So there's already our bleep joke of the week. Okay. Well, there we go. We just talked about this five minutes ago. Fuck okay, this pod clean. We talked about this. We had a state of the Rob's podcast address, and a state of the podcast address is always a time where I take the guys and I just give them a little spank, and I'm like, listen, this is when you've talked over me. This is when you haven't laughed at my jokes. This is how we're gonna fix the podcast. So I'm just gonna tell everybody right now. I'm gonna try to talk more slowly, and we're going to embrace the pregnant pause. I don't like that at all. And we are going to try to be less dirty. So here we go. We are not off to a great start on that, but we are going to do it from here on out. I'm going to rub off the whiteboard. We have gone zero minutes without a dirty joke. All right. So I don't like, I don't like when my pauses cause pregnancy. I don't like pregnant pauses. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Normally pauses cause people to not get pregnant, but it's so, okay. So I'm going to rub off the whiteboard one more time. And now from now on, now I'm, now I'm serious about this. Here we go. I'll, all right, so let's get right into it. Today, we are talking... Oh, I didn't even say what album we're talking about today. We are talking about D'Angelo's Voodoo, and it is number 20. But anyway, we got a voicemail. Let's go to the back line. Hey, boys. This is Sarah from Minnesota. That sounds a little um, familiar. Calling in, I just listened to your <laughs> Carol King episode, and... Had a couple Hot of things to react to. Um, she sounds I nervous. I was so glad to hear more Matt. Yes, please, Matt. Um, well, it seems like a plan. It's been pretty quiet the last few episodes, so I loved hearing more I would say only him. about the last 35 or so. Hey, Matt's friend's calling in to say, <laughs> oh, I'm boy, excited to hear more Matt. Entirely, I'm sure. <laughs> butt cuts, absolutely. Totally remember butt cuts. Thank you, Sarah. Them at the time. See, butt cut. It is a real thing, guys. I told you that's a real phrase. People know it. My wife yelled at me. She goes, you know all of these people from Richfield that have butt cuts. And we called them butt cuts. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Is your wife okay. listening to the podcast or not? Yes, she is. <laughs> it's not good. That, you, you, Sarah, this Sarah, you wonder why I've, I've been quiet the last few episodes. It's because all of a sudden my wife's listening, so I've got to clean it up. <laughs> Dang it. I, my favorite thing is how Matt's wife would initially proclaim she wanted nothing to do to listen mm-hmm. listening to the four random white dudes talking about their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And now yeah. she's one of our, our dedicated listeners. And yet Matt doesn't even know that we've cut out major sections of the previous <laughs> podcast in his intro song. The dang yeah. parody song means nothing. Though. Dang it, it turns out she doesn't like four white guys, but when it's just three and a half because Matt barely says anything, she loves that. She thinks that's great. <laughs> oh. All right. Let's keep going with the voicemail here. Totally remember butt cut. Thank you, Sarah. Fully supported them at the time. Mm-hmm. Going back to college for just a day, I'd go for a week without a doubt. Um, huh? Aaron, Did we talk about that? Hearing the song Wrecking Ball before? Huh? <laughs> I, what? <laughs> I've had mi- um, no- numerous comments I was to this, Rosie. Completely mm-hmm. baffled by that. Anyway, Tuesdays are my best days because I get to see a new episode from you guys popping up you. on my video? feed. Mm-hmm. Thanks for all the laughs and Jim Horn for life. All right. Jim thank Horn. you for Jim Horn for life. Jim Horn. Uh, back with more Jim, Jim Horn. Horn. Jim Horn. I can reference. tell you the listeners are way back from where we're recording, guys, because she's talking about stuff I cannot remember talking about in the least with between butt cuts and then wrecking ball <laughs> and uh, Jim Horn. I, uh, multi-instrumentalist, of course, very famous. So positivity, positivity. We're the new positive podcast. You know what time it is. It's time to make fun of Aaron. Oh, yeah. 
Sorry, he likes it. He's uh, I don't own a microwave. Still, I can't believe it. Still the idea that you don't own a microwave. Every time I open my microwave, I think to myself, what does Aaron do in this situation? <laughs> What's worse, the fact that he doesn't own a microwave or that he he's never he never heard uh, Wrecking Ball? What's oh, more uh, baffling? Wrecking Ball by wrecking far. Ball. Right. Microwave. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't understand how I never heard that one. Have you listened to Wrecking Ball since then? Have you have you checked it out? I've not. I've, I'll be honest, I've not. No, because I'm, listen, we're going to talk about this in Rolling Going. I've been very focused on this run of how do, how do we how do we make fun of Aaron for not knowing Wrecking Ball when literally I've never heard of D'Angelo and he's got the 29th greatest album of all time? So I don't <laughs> yeah. think we can make fun of Aaron for not knowing Wrecking Ball. Aaron is buying parts to his record player to help him listen to D'Angelo, and at the same time, he has not listened to Wrecking Ball. It's true. It's very strange. I'm guilty. Let's get into making fun of Aaron. By the way, this is what Aaron said. I just have one five second clip. Just and I want to bring one. this up. It's, this isn't so much making fun of Aaron. I, I just want to peer more into this. We do actually hang our um, what laundry from the ceiling, but that's not that interesting. Let's keep going. Now, during you cannot hear that in last week's show because we both talked over him and then ignored him after he said that. But I, Aaron, I got to hear. What the fuck are you doing hanging laundry up? Like, are you are you Loris Ingalls Wilder? What, <laughs> yeah. what is your deal? We do have a Loris Ingalls. Yeah, Wilders. it's plural. This Possessive. is a very Look it cool up. Dumb shit. I heard it on thing. Sesame Street. <laughs> I think we've had this thing in two different places we've lived now, and it's never fallen out of the ceiling. It is, is this a... thing a dryer? Because if this thing is a dryer that you're talking about, you do not need to hang them up. <laughs> I've been... <laughs> You have to vent out. Sometimes you got to go through the ceiling to vent it. But. He's got like the five hundred over the joists, and I'm trying to hang. He's got like a five hundred pound drying machine hanging from the ceiling in his basement. He's like, we got to hang this dryer up. It's just like you can see like the beams oh just bending every time it runs. Down there with some chains, and, the, and there's an anvil on the bottom. I'm going to start this dryer, and then we immediately have to run out of the room because it starts swinging like a son of a bitch in here. I don't know how people use these things, but it's, I guess hang up your clothes is what I've heard. It's swinging around like a helicopter, and Aaron's like ducking his head and running for this, running for upstairs. Yeah. So nothing oh God, about this the truth like a wrecking ball. is any better than the story you're telling, but we do own, and we've used it in two different places, a very cool apparatus that is a sort of a pulley lever kind of system that has a piece of uh, you know rope that is uh, you know connected <laughs> to the clothes hanger situation, and then that is bolted into the ceiling. Because we've always lived in small places, and so you lower it down, hang the clothes over it, and then you hoist it up to the top, and then you hook it around the little uh, cleat that's in the wall to hang it up. Because like we got a lot of clothes that don't need drying, like all your cycling clothes, your exercise clothes. These don't need to be dried. Your sweaters, these need to be hung hang dry, and we don't have an outdoor uh, clothesline, so we hang them up inside the house. You also I'll wash you your clothes with like a stone or some sort of grate where you guys like sit outside <laughs> and rub them against the stone or not? Yeah. No, I mean, this sweater yeah, does not need to be, it. it does not need to be cleaned in a real washing machine hanging from my ceiling. <laughs> so I'm just going to go outside and scrub it against this rock for two hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, there's no hand washing for the most part. I, I got to say, I got to say, Aaron's story doesn't add up at all. So his point is that he has a small house. Okay. We've established that Aaron has a small house. So he then fills it up with his clothes that are drying. How does that make any sense? Because like we're just supposed to say, oh, you have a small place, so you hang up your clothes inside. They're not on the floor. Side note, if we had a dog, what? the dog would not be eating these underwear because they'd be hanging okay. from the ceiling. So <laughs> it's a perfect solution, Rob. I'll send you one. So do you do you own a dryer? 
Yes, we own a dryer. Yeah, but some well, stuff is shouldn't fucked. be dry. This whole thing's fucked then. This whole conversation <laughs> is messed up. I don't get it. <laughs> some clothes are just better to not go in the dryer. They last longer. They, you know, your, your stuff doesn't shrink up too short. Like in your, you know, waffle cut uh, long sleeves, you know, like those things shrink up too short. And all of a sudden you get midriff shirts if you throw them in the dryer too many times. You guys understand. I think that's why you get to go with champion reverse weaves. Really. Yeah, well, I'm not. See, I'm still working. I'm building up, I'm building yeah. up my collection. Hey Rob, I think we already have our make fun of Aaron material yeah, for next I was week. Come, I was going to come back to it. I was going to come back to it. Well, here, what? Uh, maybe can I can I chime in because I think I know what you've got. Okay, first of all, you chiming in about anybody doing the wash is totally fucked. I just want to point that out right away. But yes, I will allow you to speak. No, 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 Russ and I are hey, the only normal wash hey, guys on this whole I podcast. Do the laundry? I just don't fold the laundry. I'm the one who has to put it. I get the laundry done. And pregnant we're embracing pause. the pregnant pause. <laughs> pregnant pause. <laughs> you, you guys don't even want to know what just happened over here during that. I was waiting for the joke. Yeah. Don't wait for the joke. And don't talk about how I spilled some Diet Coke on my shirt here and how that shows up on the Zoom. I don't need to hear Visual that either, joke. okay? Visual joke. Nine months from now, I'm going to have a major announcement for you guys. Well, <laughs> well, it really, I mean, it really, it's like 10 months because 40 weeks is closer to 10 months than nine months. It's kind of the, that's true. You know, They'll let you know. L- l- luckily I did my pregnant pause four weeks ago. It's nine months. <laughs> nice. <from now>. nice. <laughs> also appropriate for this album. I can't believe I spilled diet Coke on the shirt. Well, oh, well better hang it from the ceiling. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm going to send you guys a picture and then you're going to be jealous. You're going to want one of these apparatus. They're really they're They say, Oh, please. Space. Please do. Aaron, I can't imagine what a clothing line looks like. I mean, what are you talking about? Like, Aaron, I got to ask you, like when I've kind of, I've came out and visited you, you and your wife a few times over the last, you know, five, 10 years or whatever. I've probably been out there three, two, three times or whatever. Yeah. Do, when, when I show up, do you guys like hide all this stuff? Cause you're like, Oh, Russell's going to lose his shit. If he sees like all our clothes hanging from the ceiling, do you hide? Do you hide this, this, deviant behavior that you guys have out there <laughs> well, no i mean i miss this might be funny too i mean the clothes hang in our bedroom and i guess we didn't invite you into our bedroom when you came out to visit so maybe maybe oh, we made some mistake. friends you are maybe we should have <laughs> well, maybe lame. we should have really hey, taken our friendship to the next level <laughs> guess what russell you come visit me in new york the first place we're gonna go is my bedroom okay and i'm gonna show you that i'm a better friend than aaron for sure i promise i will not show your wife the pregnant pause <laughs> I won't do it. Pregnant pause. All right. So I, this is this is not a sustainable bit. We cannot keep going. All right. So now that we're 50 minutes I'm, into this I'm, podcast with the pauses. It's time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for Roll It Going. Oh, yeah. I picture Aaron like getting to his bed and he's like going through. It's like the jungle, you know, but it's just like a bunch of cycling shirts and sweaters and, you know, who knows what happened. else he can't no, dry. That's true. That does happen because it's right off the corner where either you go through the jungle of clothes hanging from the top or you oh crank your art like your knee on the corner what? of the bed. And no. You, yeah. You know what I mean? You end up with a bruise in that corner. Anyway, it's yeah. time to see what everybody's up Fishing to. Line is so out, you, have, you have so many clothes up that you run into the bed. Like you're just walking around blind. <laughs> Honey, keep, keep clapping so I can find where the bed is. Like this makes absolutely no sense. I love I how do. the water's just like dripping all over his bed and everything. Like they just got puddles of water from their hanging clothes and. Okay, Meanwhile, Aaron. the dryer's down there hanging by itself with no clothes in it. Once I go into the room, because it's usually dark, my lady goes to bed before I do usually. Maybe this is too much information. You might That's have a to power cut this move. out. Nice work. 
Uh, I like to try to get into my side of the bed with my eyes closed. Like I like to walk into the bedroom and see if I can make it with my eyes closed. I don't know why. No, be quiet. Be quiet. I'm going to play this on a loop for the rest of the podcast. Oh, shut up. Shut up. So what you now now I'm not I'm just gonna point this out. What what Aaron said is not that he gets into bed with his eyes closed. And I didn't listen to why. And I don't care. What Aaron said was, what I like to do is I like to try to get into the bed. So he this is something he looks forward to. He's like, Oh yes, my wife is asleep. I'm gonna Oh, what should I do? I could do, I could do here. Yeah, I could do anything I want. Let's see, what can I do? I can go read some French poetry out in the tent in the garage. I can <laughs> Rambo. <laughs> I can go downstairs and ignore the dryer, or I can close my eyes and try to get into bed. Ooh, I know what I'm gonna do. This is gonna be so fun. This ow, is the ow, best. Ow, wait, I'm, I've got a sweater stuck around me. Help me, help me. <laughs> help me. Help it's me. a fascinating life that I lead. I can't I can't lie about that. Hey, Back to the Future, Volume 2. Make fun of Aaron. <laughs> it really is. We could just shut this podcast down and do next week. So we can do it right after this. This is no problem whatsoever. Rolling going, Rob. How's it going with you? Why don't we start with you? All oh. right. Let's start. Let's start with me. I do have a good one today because I felt very much like Russell at the post office this week. I had a number of experiences where I was like, this is what Russell feels like at the post office. It completely incompetent. I got into <laughs> I got into the elevator in my building, and all of a sudden, as the doors were closing this extremely attractive woman got on. Okay. Even with half a mask, I could still tell she was very attractive and she got on or no, she was on first. And then I got in the elevator and she looked, she at was me on she, first. She was, was on that, first. What, what do you mean by that? Well, you wait to get on. And, and then oh. now the new thing is you kind of have to make sure people motion you on because getting on an elevator when people don't want you on the mm. elevator is, is poor form. Mm. So she's on the elevator. I hop on. She goes, what floor are you going to? I said, seven. She said, okay, she pushes nine. She pushes seven. She pushes nine. Very, very nice. Great, great. Except for I don't live on seven. I live on 14 <laughs> and I forgot. That. Okay. The building I work in, I work on the seventh floor. So then she pushed seven and I was with the dog and I was like, she was on nine. So I was like, well, I can't just tell her like, ah, oh, no, oh. actually it's 14. Like, you know what I mean? So I literally got off the elevator at oh, seven you gotta with get the off. dog. You have, I yeah, got you off. Rough. Yeah, that's, and then yeah, there's that's all these choice. other people on the floor, like putting away the recycling or doing stuff in their apartment. So I had to get off, look around, and be and do the big like, oh no, and then push up and go back up to fourteen. I feel like a fucking idiot. Did you at least wait for her to go back up? You got off and wandered around, right? Yeah, I got off because I was like, what if? Yeah, what if I push up and then get back on the same elevator that she's there? So the door just closes and then it immediately opens up and I get back <laughs> and on. Hey. I go, oh, yes. what if? Good to what see if you. she did the same thing, Rob, and she screwed up and she was only supposed to be at floor five and she accidentally said nine and you said seven and it was just like it was meant to be. So, so then the elevator coming down is the one I'm getting into. Get up and we're both like, oh. Eight minutes later, a few more false floors, a pregnant pause later. It was a grand old time, huh? Maybe she got is doing a podcast right now where she's like, listen, this really attractive guy got in the elevator. I got totally flustered. Nope, I went nope. to the wrong floor. No, nope, Robin. A killer no, mustache. No, nope, I don't, I don't mean about that mustache. Yeah, I don't mean to burn it, Rob, but it didn't happen. It didn't I was, happen. I was scared for my life. I didn't know what to do. I asked him what floor. He told there me seven, a- then immediately looked very confused and didn't know what to do. So then I also this week, I ran out of deodorant. Okay. And actually, to be honest, I ran out of deodorant about two months ago. And I have been using my wife's deodorant. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with using your wife's deodorant. No, totally I think that fun. is fair yeah. game. I never, ever tell her. I would never tell her. She'll be pissed if she ever listens to this podcast. So I'm set for the rest of my life. Not worried about that. 
And the uh, so I, I go down to the Dwayne Reed, which is in my building, right? And I go to get the deodorant. They now have the deodorant behind glass that you have to unlock and get the deodorant. So I have to like go a ra- at- like razor blades where you have to have a lock to get Can them you out make or drugs what? Out of deodorant. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're so expensive, but I have to go ask somebody what? to unlock expensive. the deodorant. And then I have to say to them, ah, uh, yes, I would like the, you know, musk. The extra sweaty man. <laughs> yeah, I would like the musk bear smell shark man, like Superman deodorant. Like I, Because I'm telling you, one of my favorite days of all time, and I've said this all the time, is growing up, I love it when I run out of deodorant and I get to go pick a new type of deodorant. It's one of the highlights of my week. Well, not week. I don't buy deodorant that often. But whenever I buy deodorant, it's I love shopping because there's all these different fun kinds of deodorant and you can and you pick all these different up. things. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I I I I love all the new like super masculine like, flavors. Is that the right term? Like the flavors I of deodorant? I hope it's not a flavor. Maybe a scent? <laughs> well, anything's a flavor if you try hard enough. <laughs> Rob, are you a science teacher? You don't I'm know like the five senses? <laughs> I, listen, I don't have time for teaching that stuff, okay? I'm, I'm much too busy at school listening to these albums. Um, but it's so embarrassing because now I basically am not going to by deodorant. And in fact, I went to another Dwayne Reed in Manhattan. It was also under glass. So I just walked out. I mean, I, I, I'm what else such is a, under, what else is under glass? I don't know. Pipes, I think right? like, Oh, you know, laundry detergent is cigarettes, like so just stuff that stuff that gets stolen. What would right? be the I mean, most embarrassing thing you would have to ever go buy and ask for them to open the glass to buy? Like, is it condoms? What would be the thing where you'd be terrified I would love to, to go ask condoms. the lady at, like, that yeah, Dwayne Reed to open the glass to open them for what? Pack, right. Oh my God. I would love to buy condoms. And I'd be like, what? give me your smallest, most normal size condoms that you have. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> condoms are so big. I get condoms sometimes I use it when I used to oh, get no. condoms. Oh, Rob, they are we weren't so going to do this. Big. Rob, we weren't going to do this. I was always like, they're so big and then there's that little tip on the end remember in health oh, no. class they'd always be like oh make sure you squeeze that tip when you put it's it on reservoir. otherwise <laughs> yeah otherwise and i was like how much do you think is coming out like do you think there's so much coming out that if i don't squeeze that tip this whole thing's gonna fly off like Wait, a balloon like a water zero rocket minutes. like i was like this makes no sense like even then i was like squeeze a tip that doesn't even make how does that make any sense but that was like the one thing i remember from health class was squeeze a tip but the other day i had to go in and aaron you might you might relate to this because you're talking about foot care do you guys have toenail fungus I've got to oh, put God. some stuff on my toenails, like hey, brush hey, stuff Rob, on. Maybe this was the other thing we shouldn't have talked about if we yeah, wanted to get I, listeners. Is, yeah, this is a. <laughs> we should I just mean, cancel this now. There's, just, no, there's there's no reason to go forward. With okay, this. you guys can toenail shame me all you want, but all it does is make your toenails like a little yellow and a little thicker, you know, like old man toenails. So I get a thing oh, where God. I brush it on, and then my toenails are totally healthy. So Honestly, then, if I you can have go something that's fixing this problem, Rob, I need to know. We were at hundred listeners. This is bad. I think if I had to ask somebody to go unlock the toenail fungus brush, I would. That would be a bummer to me. Rule rule number one for once we get into the thirties, we never let Rob go first on rolling going ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, rolling going. How's it going with you? Oh, I feel like I'm being usurped here. <laughs> usurped. Great word. Were you done, Rob? I didn't want to interrupt. Is that a constellation um, usurped? Just kidding. I was going to ask if you guys like to buy anything, but I think Russ's question was actually much better. So let's just move on. <laughs> um, I was going to introduce a new segment this Hello. week. Emotions. Um, called uh, Just Effing Quit It Already. Oh, <laughs> just effing quit it. Right. Okay. Just my, effing quit it. My, oh, my question is yeah. this. I've had a, I, I've had a couple of uh, experiences this week where I literally, I, I just wanted to quit what I was doing and mm. just move on with life. 
But like the the thing, I don't know if it's from my parents or what it's from. That's like, nope, you got to see things through. So no. one of them, and, and I don't want to keep coming back to this. So I'm going to go. It's go probably his wife listening to the a, podcast. I just want to quit a, this marriage already. I can't listen. Yeah, I can't handle yeah. listening to this. Is it squeezing the end of the condom? I was doing a Peloton ride and I instantly, and I, it was nineties uh, country. And I'm like, Oh, this will be a good little 15 minute. I just needed a quick 15 minute ride. I'm like, this will be good. I like nineties countries, but the only country I like. Yeah. And then literally a minute and a half in the instructor was just painful. And I just wanted to be like, Oh no, I- I'm out. I'm out. But like, the whole counter thing and you know, like, does this going to mess up? Like my, my counts. Mm-hmm. All that? Stats, so I was, right? I was like, I just, I just kind of, I just gutted it out for 15 minutes and, and just, I will never take a class with that person again. And then can the you just turn is, it on mute or take off your headphones? Have. Probably. Yeah. That would have been a good Russell. You're so smart. So smart. <laughs> you like that. You like that, huh? Yeah. That's oh, very man. nice. I, I should have probably done that. A couple hundred thousand dollars of school loans later, and here I am. <laughs> Talking to us on Friday night. I don't, they like, I don't like the way this looks and sounds. Turn it off. <laughs> <Huh? Yeah. laughs> sounds good. And then the other one was uh, um, I was reading a book, and I got it for my mother-in-law for Christmas. And about 30 pages in, I was like, this just is not for me. Yeah. But like, I, have ne- I don't know if I've ever not finished a book or consciously not finished a book. But in, in, in all reality, if you don't like a book, you should just ditch it. Right. And you're holding and it up right with- now. And the book title is why divorce is a good thing. Please divorce your wife. And I, <laughs> you're not, that Rob, seems like a weird book for her to, to give you. I don't like that. Yeah. I hear so you. On the books, is there man. anything, is there anything you guys, now that you're, you know, adults, at least by age, I don't know about, how you act or anything like that, oh, but is there anything that it's okay to just quit and move on? Well, or every is there any- every exercise regime I ever take up, I kind of tend to quit it, and I just feel like that's been okay for me. Yeah, but am I am I am I irrational in my thinking? Like, like if a book's not good, just get rid of it and chuck it, and and things like that. Am I am I holding on to? I think uh, you're 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 onto something, Matt. I think I used to read a lot, and I've read a little less the last few years, but. Whenever I would get into a book, I would always say I have to finish it. And normally if I would get a quarter of the way into a book and I wasn't enjoying it, nothing would ever change by the end of it that made me enjoy it. And Aaron's going to hate me for this, but one of the books that really was like this for me was Moby Dick. I remember reading that book and thinking, oh, this is one of these classics. I'm supposed to love it. And about, you know, 100 pages in, I was like, "This, I'm not into this at all. I don't get it. This does nothing for me. But I said, I have to finish it. And I finished it and I was like, Man, I would have really read, rather had those like four hundred pages back in my life. Oh, really? When he staves in the the Pequod and everything, he's not not doing it. Uh, spoiler alert for Moby Dick. Uh, I don't no, hate you for I that. I was just though. the part where he was determining where to stay. Oh, <laughs> shit. But I'm but I'm with you, Matt. I, I I wish I would have given up on more books in my life because <laughs> usually if something feels like it's not happening. Yeah. It, it never it never shifts and flips in the second half. But then this this whole conquest we're on, you know, of listening to the five hundred albums, I have found n- numerous times where it's like, God damn it, just end this album already, and it goes on and on and on. But you know, we we've set a goal for this one, so I, I think I can't can't quite fully embrace it yet until we get done with this conquest. But I I, I don't know. I, I, I always think that applies or whatever it is. I always think that applies to people dating out of high school. I, I, ah, there you go. And every yeah. time I say that, every time I say this very erudite, like very smart thing to somebody, I'm having a conversation with somebody I don't know. 
one hundred percent of the time they go, "Well, I married my high school sweetheart." And I'm like, "Shit, dang it, this is not." That <laughs> but didn't work. Even when I taught high school, I would tell the kids, "Whoever you're dating right now, break up with them. Go to college. If you still like each other when you come back, you can still date each other like in the summer. Don't worry about it." But I think there's something that people say, like, "Oh no, you got to stick with stuff. You got to." I mean, I don't think anybody is happy dating their high school person into college. It's a huge bummer. You get to college and all of a sudden there's all these people who are attractive and they don't know that super dumb thing you did in eighth grade, it's like heaven. <laughs> well, I assume goes. that's why I didn't date a ton in college is that I had a girlfriend from high school. But. Well, there goes about 10% of our listeners that are females and have Duluth accents that probably married their high school boyfriends, right? <laughs> Duluth accents. Uh, oh, hey, there. Oh, hey, guys. I got a fresh new set of bars. Meet my husband slash prom date. This is Richard. <laughs> <laughs> What the, a dick. <laughs> the other 50% of the listeners we just lost are the ones where they're now convinced, well, I've never liked this podcast. Maybe I should yeah. stop listening to it so bad. That was a terrible piece of guidance. Damn it. Oh, cut it yeah. out, Ryan. Everyone's uh. crossing this. Uh, now our podcast is on their, uh, their spreadsheet yeah. of shit they, they want to get rid finish of. finish this podcast? Uh, <laughs> oh, great. I don't have to go on the journey with these guys. You shitheads have to finish this podcast. There's no escape for you. This is the I'll way be honest, Russell. The one thing I did quit was the Moby Dick podcast because I started making, I started being on this podcast. <laughs> that sounds I, just terrible. I, I you're just, you're the, just lining up, make fun of Aaron's left and right. The Moby Dick podcast. Like, what are we even talking about? It's a really here? good like, podcast. They go, is Talia Lavin? They go chapter <laughs> by chapter about Moby Dick. It's really great. But I, you can't, like, you guys know, you can't listen to podcasts and be on a podcast. That's the whole problem with trying to market your yeah. podcast. I'm going to unsubscribe from my favorite podcast, 101 Condom Jokes. <laughs> I just found that out. What episode what are, you are you on? Are you on are you number one? I was yeah. on number one. It was, two? Yeah, it was the bit about the end. I don't know. Uh, because of my girlfriend from high school, I'd never had to use a lot of condoms in college. And that's the only reason why. Well, I don't it know definitely isn't my well. face or body. Speaking oh, of right. pregnant pause. By the way, you see, I didn't mention personality because that's what I've got like crazy. Roll a go on, Aaron. How's it going with you? I'm a little bit stressed, guys. I'm, I'm going to be honest oh. with you. I'm a little bit stressed. So I'm going to talk about something that's been stressing me out, and then I'm going to talk about something that eased my stress a little bit. So that's that's where I'm at tonight. Keep it clean. This I'm run of... Look at I'm staying out of this. Three albums that we're on. So folks at home who are listening, this is a music podcast where we're going through the Rolling Stone mm -hmm. list of 500 mm -hmm. albums. This well, run of uh, three, three albums <laughs> of... Wu-Tang entered the 36 chambers. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. D'Angelo Voodoo. And then next week with the White Album by the Beatles. These three albums are in my top five of all-time most played albums. These are albums I know so wow. well. And I feel a lot of pressure on myself to try to say something useful and intelligent about this art that has been so important to me in my life. Good luck to you. Yeah. You got to let that go. And I can't <laughs> do it. And then with this one in particular, not only is D'Angelo, one of my musical heroes in this album, one of my favorites, but uh, as I've read more about the album, learned more about the album quest love Amir Thompson was such an important part of making this album. He was my absolute, you guys know, he was my absolute 100% pandemic internet, best friend and hero. He was doing DJ sets every night from, first of April, maybe even earlier, all the way up through the summer. I watched him every night when I wasn't talking to you guys. I learned so much about music from him, and he's such an integral part of this album that then to understand the encyclopedia of music that these guys were pulling from, 
I can't listen to enough music to try to understand this album. And I can't listen to this album enough to try to say something about this album. And it's got me stressing. So I can't do. Yep. You got it, Russell. You know, you know, no, are we Russell, supposed to listen perfect. to these albums. This is perfect. Is that part of this podcast? So the thing I want to know what you stress, what, what did you eat to get rid of the stress today? Aaron? S'mores. How many grilled chickens? How many grilled chickens? You had a grilled I chicken ate... sandwich with a side of shirt that fell on yeah. from his how many, s'mores. How, how many salads? How many salads did you have today? I did have salad for lunch. And actually, I had salad for lunch with a uh, veggie chicken patty, which is oh, like yeah. super delicious. Yeah. I love those. You but they interrupted like, him like seven times. hungry after an hour. It just doesn't work. But for dinner tonight, for, for dessert, we had s'mores. <clears throat> and there were these beautiful S'more mini what? s'mores that my lady ordered from, from uh, a person uh, who she went to grad school with. So these are s'mores built okay, on like. Be quiet um, for a second. I'm telling you right now, you are getting ripped off by mini s'mores. I will sell you <laughs> half a graham cracker, a tiny piece of chocolate, and a mini marshmallow. You do not need to order that from somebody. I will yeah, literally you can, you, show you where to buy that stuff at a store. You That's can fair. easily That's fit fair. three marshmallows and a couple chocolates into those bags. I don't know anybody who has a s'more and is like, you know what? I wish this was mini. I wish this was <laughs> way way smaller. But yeah, I mean, but with like a little, with like a little, you know, three point seven five year old kid, he's like warming up the mini marshmallows over the can. It's beautiful. It's perfect. But what I need to know, it's it's almost child abuse in my book. What I need to know, because I don't (laughs) want to, I don't want to do the thing where I talk for my entire rolling going and I don't involve, I'm not inclusive of you all. Where you're trying to start conversations here. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I need to know what your marshmallow style is because I typically am a very patient, light, light golden toast marshmallow guy, but I need to know what, what your marshmallow styles are. As an uncle, I'm the guy who shoves that that marshmallow right to the fire and lets it flame up sick. as big as possible. <laughs> yeah, that and sick. then watch my nieces and nephews go crazy over the flaming marshmallow. And then you you kind of hold it up, let it let it flame up for a little bit, and then you blow that sucker out. I stick it right in the, the fire. show. You know, I like it. That's what my wife does too, and I think that's real psychopathic stuff. I, <laughs> the show, I like that. Oh, that should be my nickname, the show. <laughs> oh, it's just so gross to watch. Just you destroy this perfectly good ball of sugar and just totally burn the outside. It, 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 it's disgusting. It's like taking a car, new like a new sports car, and just hitting it a couple times with a brick on the outside. Matt, what's your style? And then I'll get so back to me. Don't forget about you me. You have to start out by getting the top done first. So you don't stick the, the marshmallow all the way down. You get it just so that the, the stick is sticking out just very – you have to get that first. If you don't get the top first, you get the sides first, it melts, and then you try to get the top, it, it falls off. So you got to get the top first. That's the key. Oh, shit. Matt. What Wrong are you one. doing in there? That was Matt Smart. Why is it so oh my God. Oh, no. What's going on? What's going <laughs> on? Matt Smart comment of the week. Ooh, that's a smart. That shit. literally is the smartest oh, thing I've ever heard yeah. anybody say. You're totally yeah, right. Okay. You cannot, you cannot, you can't. Wait. You got to get the top first. And then from there, and you then find the, a, a spot. And then up to single. That you can rest your stick on, right? It's on, be a you cute. find something because you, if you're holding it over there, you're going to start shaking. You're going to get all over the place. You've mm-hmm. got to have constant source of heat. At the exact same spot at all time, and then you rotate to get it almost perfectly. I would say a good, a little bit more than golden, a little bit darker golden is is uh, how I get just just before it starts blistering a little bit. But though you get all the sides and the top, and then you're good to go. I, but you, you know what I used to do when I was younger is I used to put it in, and then I would cook the outside. <laughs> And this might surprise you guys. I would then eat the outside and then cook the next layer. And then eat the outside, like cook the next layer, just right off the thing. It was looking back, it's probably not the greatest. My parents should have probably stepped in at some point. What were you gonna say, Russell? I got nothing. Move on. I don't know. I, I would guess that Aaron's I, I think Aaron's 
that Aaron's kid's style of marshmallows was severe disappointment because he's cooking a small marshmallow over <laughs> a, a candle. candle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those real tiny ones on a toothpick. He smells like cinnamon apricot. At some point, he's going to have a real <laughs> s'more from like some real parents and it's going to blow his fucking mind when oh, he gets no. a, like a real marshmallow and it's big and he's not doing it on his kitchen table over over like a, a candle and they're trying to avoid setting the 300 shirts he's got hanging up on fire. Like it's going to be so good for him. Instead of like hiding adult magazines from his old man back in like 20, 10 years from now, he's going to be a teenager like hiding s'mores underneath his bed and stuff like that. Yeah, Mountain Dew and s'mores. Aaron's going to walk in and be like, Who, who's regular size marshmallows are these under this bed? Who showed you how to cook these marshmallows? You did, Dad. You showed me how. I'm pretty sure you could cook them in the microwave pretty quick too, can't you? Oh, yeah. He's going to go buck wild. He's going to have a microwave like underneath his bed. Matt, smart comment. That's a second smart comment of the week. That's a smart shit. Aaron walks in, he's like, oh, yeah. one of these ultraviolet rays going on in here. I can tell I've got my measuring stick for these ultraviolet rays. He has a sensor, a microwave sensor. I know you're using a little microwave in here. So Let that's me it. That's it. me this week. A lot of a lot of stressing about this podcast. This room is for two things. It's for sleeping and it's for hanging up all your laundry. There should be no microwaves going on in here. Didn't Uncle Buck in the movie Uncle Buck, didn't he dry his laundry by putting it in the microwave? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a zipper, right? Like, you got a zipper, you're screwed. <laughs> I'm your Uncle Buck. Do we have an Uncle Buck? <laughs> Aaron, were you going to cap that off? That was a good one, Aaron. I got to give you props for that. Thank you. I was going to say that was my week. I was stressing about trying to say something interesting about this album, and then I was relieving that stress by eating s'mores. Let me let me help you with your stress. Nobody gives a shit what I you know, say I know. about these albums. I know. Nobody cares. They just want to hear you laugh. They want to hear Rob call them dumb shits. They want me to be quiet. And they want to hear Russell with all of his wisdom that he comes up from the backside and then some of his dating stories, too. And so. I've gotten some emails about condom advice, so I don't know. I think that's... <laughs> I delete them though. You guys you can, don't go look that for tip it. Off, Rob. Oh, gross. Off. I don't like it when you say it. that. Is you know what? I'm sorry I said that actually because now that you said that, I do realize how gross that is. Okay, so we're gonna move on. Russell, rolling, going. How's it going with you? Well, I've got to ask for dating advice. If, if the people want dating advice, they got to ask for dating advice, right? So I, I better go to the corner and get some. Get him in the corner. God damn, Rob, it's been you a and long your sound time. bites. Come on, get 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 to the corner. Time you haven't been in the Russell's corner for a while. It's true. It has been a while. I'm going, oh, going back yeah. to the corner. I like it. All right. Who wants to spank Russell first? Oh, wait. I forgot Ooh. what the corner is all about, even. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I just can't even believe you have a paddle like that. Put that away. Yeah. Like, I don't know why you have that for. Yeah, but he's going to use holes that book. in it so you get a look. <laughs> Ooh, that's not the drag on filthy, it. Filthy. He, he's going to use that book he got called How to Kiss Your Mother. <laughs> Oh, I'll cut that out, but it's funny to me. <laughs> what's going on? I don't even know what's happening. The book is called How to Kiss Your Mother-in-Law, and that's what he got. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry, Russell. From my mother-in-law? Yeah. Subtle hint. <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Well, there goes my ruling going from a year from now after this pregnant pause. Occurs. No, we can't reference that anymore because it's getting cut out. We can't do it. <laughs> Oh, you know it's not getting That's, that's staying in. You know it's staying in. Rob never tells us if we're allowed to talk about when we're taping this or if we're supposed to be talking about two or three weeks in the future when we release it. So, One so we're, we're taping this uh, two days before Valentine's Day, I believe. Mm. And so I don't have any specific Valentine's Day plans. But I was wondering, wow. as a single guy, if you start to meet someone and you hang out with them a little bit, 
when do you acknowledge Valentine's Day? Do you have to go on so many dates? Do you have to have like a three-day buffer around Valentine's Day where you try to not hang out with each other because you worried there's too much pressure? Pressure. What's what's the Valentine's Day advice for the single guy in the world? First date on He's, Valentine's Day, Russell. Straight up power move. <laughs> just do it. You're just all the biscuits in the basket at one time. First date, you're right out there. Everything. Like they bring over champagne, the whole thing. You're like, well, yes, this is a very good. I, I do the whole explanation about how I got the condoms behind the glass case at Target. And, and <laughs> my buddy Rob showed me how to pitch off the tip yeah. of them or not. Oh, I see in the receipt you also got toenail fungus paint. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> And a book on how to kiss your mother-in-law. <laughs> At least he's got Moby Dick on audiobook or whatever it is, right? <laughs> she gets in the car. You're listening to, call me Ishmael. <laughs> These doors are locked. I can't get out. <laughs> she crawls in the back seat. She's got to climb over the, the stack of Herbie Bad albums. It's a complete disaster. <laughs> Thanks for going on a date with me on Valentine's Day. What? Valentine's Day is not until tomorrow. Oh, God, let me out of this car. <laughs> I mean, I would say in in regular times, like the world is so weird now, I don't even know what you can do on a date. But in regular times, that seems like the perfect excuse to go to a dive bar, right? You're like, it's Valentine's Day. I don't want to be out there with the amateurs at, you know, the, the two for a couple special night at the, you know, silly restaurant. Like, let's go get a shot and a beer and a plate of nachos and let's hang out at the dive bar. That's I feel like listen that's to some D'Angelo on the jukebox. Exactly. That's how you know that's, Aaron yes. is a good looking guy when that's the advice he gives. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron, best place you ever went for uh, Valentine's Day. I got a good one, but what's the best place you've ever gone? Oh, Most memorable. Man. You know, I think we did a Valentine's Day date at uh, Ordinaire, which is a, is a great wine bar here in Oakland. And there was a guy named Chris Croner who used to do pop-ups there. And Croner does the best burgers in America, but then he would do these crazy pop-ups with, uh, that's funny. You mentioned that, Matt, cause actually the other night I was uh, looking back at old, like I was searching old emails to see like when we had been, huh? uh, at, at ordinary for, for one of searching old emails. Searching what old the emails? hell what is the your fuck? job? What like, the fuck is your job? Me. I was like, I was trying to remember like, when did we go to the, to the bistro at, at ordinary for Kroner? And he, it was, uh, in 2014, he did like an uni and um, yep. buckwheat emails. Or 2014. Thing. Wait, what? Don't you use Gmail? Like? Food. Give me the food. I don't. Yeah. Give me the we got to get into this next week for the making fun of Aaron segment. We do not have time to get into why you have so many old emails. Matt, and asked. why in your emails do you have listed what you've eaten? Like, do you email yourself every night? Like, had a burger, so good. <laughs> Russell, I'll do. I'll Matt, I want to hear. Matt, I want to hear. Yeah, one. My uh, my senior year of high school. I think my girlfriend had dumped me like a month before. Smart. So That's a good move on her part. Take it was advice. great. It was great. But and then she started dating Rob and she had to dump him when she decided to drive home fast. Ended up going, ended up figuring out that White Castle takes um, reservations. Oh, um, no. This sounds on Valentine's terrible. Day. I love this where this is. The and, thing and so ever we heard. went to, so me, and I'm trying to remember who we went with, but I think it was with another couple and like a friend kind of thing. But we went to, we went to White Castle on Valentine's Day. Oh. They had waiters, waitresses. They put oh, tablecloths on the, they had candlelit oh. dinners at White Castle. It was the greatest thing in the world. How many sliders so, did you order, Matt? I'm going to fire off that? like two dozen text messages, yeah. invites for this tonight right now. Real quick. But you had to make reservations. You had to call, I think it was someplace, there's like a, a central spot in Minneapolis. You had to call, you know, there used to be one on Lake Street. I don't know if it's still there, but we went to the one in yet. Bloomington up. Uh, did you walk? Did you walk in and they did they did they immediately say 
hey, Matt, regular table. And you're like, oh, no, oh, no, don't act like I come here every weekend. <laughs> no, we're moving up tonight. Uh, sorry, Jerry, we're taking two Crave cases tonight. Thank you very much. Oh, the Crave case. Oh, yeah. Hold Leave the, the onions hold on. Hold the today. cheese. Matt, you know what's sadder than going to a White Castle with a reservation? Nothing. Is going Nothing. there Nothing. going there with a date and then not having a reservation and getting denied at a White Castle? <laughs> <laughs> That would be good. They're like standing out in line like it's midnight on like a Friday yeah. night in downtown. Oh. Russell, I would say, and then my, my advice is this. If it's anywhere inside of like three or four months, if you haven't been dating them for like a while, like if they haven't met your parents yet or like, you know, your brother or something like that, if they haven't met family, then you just make up some excuse like, oh, you know, for the last... 23 years I've been spending Valentine's Day with my grandma and then just completely really feel terrible. That's too getting cl- too close to home right now. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, grandma. I really enjoy spending every Valentine's Day with you. Yeah. Russell's grandma is like, Jesus Christ, I want to go to White Castle. Get this guy out yeah. of here. Those candy flavored pies would- you make for me every Valentine's Day are fantastic, grandma. Don't stop downloading this podcast. We need your downloads. Russell, I heard that talk about the pies. Valentine's Day is canceled. Bring somebody else to White Castle. <laughs> But I think uh, Valentine's Day, uh, New Year's, and Halloween are just, I uh-huh. never, never had fun on them. And they never end up taking, they never, they never, they never meet expectations. And you're always trying to have like this great time and it never lives up to them. And so just avoid it at all costs. That's my that's my take. So there you go, Russell. There you go, Russell. Put on a smile. Head forward with that advice. Yeah. <laughs> Avoid, avoid communication with people for like 10 weeks around that day, time frame. I'm down with that. I can handle that. I think if they have seen you naked in the light of day, then you can go on a Valentine's date with them. Otherwise, you, you can't do it. What if they've seen you naked advice. at White Castle? <laughs> <laughs> They're still talking to you? Put a ring yeah, on Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Holy shit, that's such a good bet. Guys, this, I'm not going to lie right now. This might be the best episode we've ever done. I think the condom stuff, the White Castle stuff, and some other stuff I did, so funny. It's so good. <laughs> and so two out of the three things there were stuff you. you did. What are you, guys get, what are you guys getting your old ladies for Valentine's Day? Old ladies. I need I need some advice. Please help. <laughs> Rob's gonna order it like two weeks late. Rob, you needed to order this a I long send, time yeah. ago. I was I was gonna get her some deodorant. I'm lost now. I'm screwed. <laughs> the, like the manly musk f- flavor, as yeah. you would call it. Oh no! If I unlock the case, maybe that's what I should do: is unlock the case and get one female scent and one male scent, and I'll be like, oh yeah, my this is for my stinky wife. Yes, that's a great idea. <laughs> Do you think she'd want to make out with her mother-in-law? I send this book. Would that be a good? What's going on? <laughs> this is bringing up all sorts of weird feelings for me. <laughs> Russell still doesn't yeah, get right the book. I'm going to write this book yeah. for you, Russell. I'm going to show you this book joke. So what what are you guys getting for Valentine's Day? Anything? Any good ideas? Nothing. So yeah, Jenny's on a cut right now. So if I get her chocolate, she's going to rip my head off. I'm totally lost. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I ended up with some um, some body oil, like some massage oil. Ooh, and yeah. then uh, a, a linen towel. Well, with tortellini right, and linen. Right. 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 You piece of shit. I talked to you about being butchered. We talked about this. Are you going to say that's not for your wife, that that's for you? Tortellini even I don't have any body oils. <laughs> and then a no, nice pink uh, linen towel that I thought looked, looked pretty. Oh, jeez, Aaron. I don't know. <laughs> How are you married? I don't get it. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's like, uh, sweetie, this towel cannot be dried. It will shrink. So we do need to hang this up in the bedroom. Matt, how about you? Are you doing like a certificate for your wife where she gets to like make dinner for a few days? Or what's, what, what certificate is she getting she from can you? Fold, she can fold the laundry. Oh, my God. You'll be good. My mom, my mother can stay home for a few days while you do the laundry. Here's your certificate. Yeah. Laminate it and everything. I'm going to combine those ideas, and I'm going to give my wife a certificate book and a bottle of body oil. Just see where it goes. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Happy Valentine's Day. Rub me. You're going to get like a little box of those little candy valentines with just a bunch of uh, inappropriate statements, aren't you, Rob? Yeah, no, and I'm going to bring it all together because it's going to smell like White Castle. So, oh, yeah. oh. real oniony. <laughs> well, Russ, great advice. <laughs> That's it. Time's up. As always, get out of the corner. These are the three that people I go to for advice. Like this is what cool. I got. Yeah. This is That's my life. <laughs> Guys, I just I, I just Google it and oh. uh, White Castle turns into Love Castle. Oh yeah, on, oh. under the twenty. And but they're not. Wait, having, when's you Valentine's? Can, you can reserve a. You can you can uh, re, on Sunday. You can reserve a parking spot this year, not a table, but a parking spot, and they will serve you out at your parking spot this year. So it's still on if you want to make a That's reservation. Such good news. Well, for all the girls that have been swiping on me today, reservations made. <laughs> <laughs> Russell's doing that classic movie thing where he's reserved two parking spots. He's got two different cars and he's got to go back and forth and change <laughs> shirts right, each yeah. time. <laughs> All right, guys, let's Speaking get into the guy something. who had a lot of dates. Huh? I'm doing Rob's thing where we segue. Speaking pregnant of a guy pause. who dated oh. a lot of ladies. Did he? Caused a lot of pregnant pauses, I'm guessing. There too. Go. I mean, I'm telling you, not? if D'Angelo did not date a lot of ladies, he really must have screwed up big time because I want to date him after listening to this album. Uh, let's give a little bit of history on this album. D'Angelo is originally from Virginia, went up to the Apollo in New York City, won a couple weeks in a row of whatever contest they had. He literally just dropped out of school and moved to New York City after that. And in 1995, he released the album Brown Sugar that had, uh, sorry about this, he, it had his uh, only Billboard Top 10 hit. Is that true? Is that fact true? This is the only Billboard Top 10? I think on the pop charts, yeah. I think uh, Untitled from Voodoo went to uh, number two on the R&B, but yeah. This is a very 90s R&B song to me. Doesn't this sound like you're knocking the boots or it's like... Yes. And I, mean, I, wouldn't, it, it, I wouldn't be a guy who lives in Oakland if I didn't mention that a lot of Brown Sugar was recorded in Sacramento at Rafael Sadiq's studio, Rafael Sadiq of Oakland, California. You can edit that out, Rob. No, but, but no, now I have to edit you saying that out. It's, it's, uh, this is a whole complicated thing. All right. So basically, D'Angelo came out and he was, he, people were, people were kind of uh, big on him because he was fusing soul and R&B. And this was a time where he really, this, this album was so big, this Brown Sugar it opened the door for Maxwell and Erica Badu and even the aforementioned Lauren Hill on this podcast. Now, after that album came out, he kind of went through a rough time where he said basically he had total writer's block. He couldn't, he couldn't, he just couldn't write a song. He felt like he, you can't write a song without going out and living his life. So instead, according to Wikipedia, he spent most of his time lifting weights and getting stoned. Yeah, I was like, what a life. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect life. Like why release another album? I totally get it. I think that's everyone's goal in life to get to that point, right? So, yeah. and then he. He he said in the in the in the two thousands or late nineties he really hated the where R and B was going. He felt it was really derivative of just basically R and B from a couple years earlier, and he really wanted to bring back soul and funk. And he was talking about Prince. He was talking about Parliament. He was talking about the Ohio Players. 
And so he went into New York City and recorded this album at Electric uh, Electric Lady Studios, which we have already talked about with Patti Smith. It's the same exact uh, uh, place that, where that was recorded. Oh, this wow. is a studio I found out that was bought by Jimi Hendrix a year before he passed away. And, and, and Jimi Hendrix recorded there, and there's a lot of other great albums that have been recorded there. And so he really felt like this was a connection to music from the past, which is what a big part of this album is about, is, is connecting it to kind of black music and soul music and then fusing it with this kind of groovy R&B. This album came out of four years of sessions. And basically, they, they, they said that, I, from what I've seen with interviews, they said the first couple of years were easy, and then the last year they were really stressed because they were like, we got to put out something. And we're going to find out as we go through the songs, I'm going to tell you the singles he released off this album did not do well initially. And they actually pushed back the release date of this album because they were really worried that it was going to be a bomb. But what's interesting about this album is that you listen is that there's very little verse chorus. Like even me listening to this at work, there was never a part where I was like, oh, here's the chorus that I remember. Here's the hook that I'm going to sing along with. It was just kind of a lot of these funky grooves. And then every once in a while, he'd repeat some phrases. And I was like, well, I guess that's the chorus. Um, and then like Aaron said earlier, a huge part of this album was quest love on the drums. And Aaron, can you explain what you mean when you were talking about, um, him dragging the beat on this? I think that's a huge part of this album. Yeah. Quest love talks about this a lot about how he had, and I've been watching interviews with him recently and reading things he said about it recently where, so the roots were a live hip hop band, which was not cool in the mid late nineties. So Questlove had to, you know, Questlove grew up in Philadelphia, exposed to a lot of music, uh, jazz. Okay, I'm not going to talk about Questlove because I could do that all night. But he talks about how Again, he had trained the point himself. Of this podcast. He had trained himself to to play like a drum machine, where he was on the bo- on the beat all the time, and he took it as a compliment when someone would come would come up to him and say, "You sound like a drum machine." Never, never, you know, you're like a robot. Thank and you he started, for the compliment. Yes. He started playing with D'Angelo and D'Angelo was like, no, 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 no. Like let it lay behind the beat. And I can't do the things that he would do in his interviews where he gives examples. But yeah, basically it was just like consistently playing somewhere behind the beat. And it, and it was about the interplay between the, the drums and the bass. And Questlove talks a lot. D'Angelo, not as much, talks a lot about how this was influenced by Jay Dilla, uh, who was mm-hmm. a producer out of Detroit. Um, Dilla mm-hmm. worked with Tribe Called Quest most famously, um, was the only producer for, for Slum Village on their first album. And Dilla is not credited on this album in any way, but I know he was around the studio at the time because he was working with Common and Erica Badu and all those other folks who were around the Electric Ladyland at the time. And Questlove talks about how a lot of what they were going for was Dilla's, uh, he calls it drunken drumming. And then the one other thing, other thing I would say about it is that um, D'Angelo talks about how he was influenced by hip hop and early hip hop where samples didn't always line up with the beat or the yeah. bass. And so he was emulating that sound where it just wasn't perfect. But the thing about that is it wasn't perfect, but it was perfectly imperfect and it can't be recreated because no one else has ever done this since. Note to self. Don't ask Aaron about that drumming again. Holy shit. Sorry. That was a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's awesome. It was brilliant. No, it's awesome, man. It's brilliant. I, I, I somehow it's awesome. have to make fun of you with, with also complimenting you. No, I just, too hard. I'm just going to make fun I've of you. I've been so immersed in this stuff for many years. And this album's 21 years old. Buy it a drink. And I've been listening to it for 20, for 20 21 years now. And uh, I, I still haven't, haven't fully grasped it. So uh, when D'Angelo goes to the beach in Mexico, he goes, oh, I'm going to the Playa Playa. 
That's the first yes. song. Yes. Yes. Playa, playa. I read that this song was supposed to be for the movie Space Jam. Right. And so there's a lot of basketball themes in this in this song. But if you listen, the basketball themes are kind of off. Like, no wonder they didn't put it in Space Jam. Like, they don't, the lyrics don't make a lot of basketball sense. It's like, I'm cutting behind the blocker. It's like, I don't know if D'Angelo's ever played basketball because his lyrics don't really make basketball sense. I don't think he has because I also watched interviews with him recently where I don't think he's more than 5'8". And he grew up only playing music in the church. He he was this was his thing was playing music. I don't think he ever played basketball. So it, it does sound like fish out of water kind of stuff when he's trying to sing about basketball. One of the coolest things I saw about this opening song is that the guitar player was Mike Campbell, who is the guitar player for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, that's and cool. so wow. the guitar player in this was that guy, and he's also played on. You you would know him. You would probably know his face from being you know the Tom Petty guitar player. But he's also nope. played with Johnny Cash on the American Records. He played on Rusty Cage and Hurt. He also played with the Wallflowers on Sixth Avenue Heartache. You guys remember that song? Oh yes. God, that's that was Wallflowers were like a huge band for me. Russ, yep. I gotta say, I'm you must you must have a great list if that wasn't your list that you came up with. That was the opening track. You don't do a list on the opening oh, track. My, I, I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning all these. Rules I've done now. a list on the it. opening track, but Russell's. If Russell I had Tom Petty's school. guitar, if I had Tom Petty's guitar player, the only thing I would do the whole time is be like, play the intro to "Running Down a Dream," and he'd be like, He's like, should we play the song "Play a Player"? And I'm like, no, play "Running Down a Dream." Do it again. That rocks my face off. Do it again. All right, it's moving on. Devil's Pie. Here we go. So he released this as I think it was the first single off the album. I mean, listen to this groove. God, this album is so thick and like chunky and funky and sexy. But when they released this single, it didn't do very well because it wasn't real hip hop like we were listening to at the time in kind of the late 90s, early 2000s, where it wasn't about, you know, a lot of excess and... And, and Well, you know, it's not a radio play. We, we've talked about it often that, you know, the kind of this whole album, it's not made for radio right yeah. but I, you know the first time you hear this song and what drew me to it you know what drew it to it it was the fact that it's not a radio song you're so used to hearing all these songs that you know I, I don't know it just it, it hooked me right away I think for to play a song on the radio right you need a couple things you need a song that's under six minutes no you need a <laughs> yeah. you, you need a singer who you could understand what the hell they're saying no you know, I mean, it just it just doesn't it doesn't happen on the song. But I mean, listen to the end of the song. Listen to how funky this is. This is six minutes. It's just so like I, I did not know what this album was. And when I put these headphones on at work and I started listening to it, I was like, oh, my God, like this is. I think this this song has the holy trinity of sounds, including badass drums, horns and scratching of records. I want more of those three things. I love oh, it. Russell. So you're oh, you're setting me up. I got to talk about this because this is the Uh-oh. one track where he brought in a hip hop producer. So he's got you owned Premier him up. on this beat. Premiere of Gangstar. And uh, he talks about how Premiere and Marley Marl were his his favorite producers. So you can hear how this one's a little bit more straightforward in terms of just hitting the drums on the one and going going for it. Uh, and then if we're going to talk about horns, we got to talk about Roy Hargrove, uh, who was the the horn player for this album, which we'll probably get into later. But uh, you're 100 percent right. Huh? Everything you guys are saying about this one, it's uh, it's a great track. So now we have left and right. Now on this one, D'Angelo was a multi-instrumentalist. He played all the instruments on the song, 
The song was originally supposed to go have Q-tip rapping over the top of it, but at the time Method and Redman were the hot Method and Redman were the hot ones, so they were doing this. I gotta say, this was my least favorite song of the whole album. I I know that rap lyrics being disrespectful to women is nothing new, but this was just such a derivation from the rest of the album. It was like, like I would listen to this and be like, ah, I don't really like what they're saying. Am I am I too sensitive? I can't disagree with you. I I have this uh, I mean, as you guys know, I own this on vinyl. And these first three tracks comprise side one. And I'm not a side one guy. I feel like the the record doesn't really start until it gets to the line. Um, and also, I feel like the the album actually loses something on vinyl because the transition from left and right into the line is one of my favorite transitions. And you only hear it on CD or streaming. So now that we're out, we're in we're in the we've done with side one. Who's listening to this album? Let's get back to my segment that I'm oh, bringing back yes. for this album. It, you know, I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this, Rob, and I thought this bit was dead, so I didn't have a very <laughs> well thought out uh, no bit answer left behind. off the top of my head. You know, it's it's somebody who who loved jazz, who loved kind of old school R&B, who loved, um, you know, maybe some some 80s kind of soul music, and they were, they just, they haven't seen it. And all of a sudden, in the late 90s, Eric Badu and D'Angelo and Maxwell and... Uh, Lauren Hill are bringing this stuff back, and this is like their, their uh, I don't know, their their golden chalice of records that they're going to put on. So you know, they're they're just thanking the good Lord above that somebody finally brought all of this back together in modern times. Now this is twenty years ago, but at the time, and this just kind of brings it all back to to what happened, um, you know, from sixties, seventies, eighties. And kind of brought it together. So I mean, you, you could throw Prince in there. You know, they're yeah. they're, they're big Prince fans in the eighties, and that there was just like you said, there was this huge gap of like radio R and B and clubbing R and B and the rap game that came in, and this just was uh, kind of brought it all back to much more of a soulful sound. Yes. So that's who's listening. All right, so now we have the line. Woo. This is the one song I could understand where he's threatening me in a sexy ass way. Gonna like, I'm gonna line. lay it on the line. I'm gonna beat your ass. Oh I'm like, yeah, I kind of want you to actually. <laughs> I think the other people that are listening to this are people that are watching like old school '70s pornographic movies, like the like the wah wah, the funk. This is like this like if there's an album we've listened to that that so far sounds like it could be the bow chicka wow wow. That mm-hmm. it's this album, right? Yeah. Yes. And it is. Eric knows what I'm talking about. You, well, it's amazing you talk about '70s videos because. <laughs> they, the the people who made this album talk a lot. So this album was recorded a lot between what ninety seven and ninety nine, ninety six, ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they talk about how they would sit and watch Soul Train videos when they weren't recording. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they would use as inspiration. Which to us seems like, oh yeah, you just watch a bunch of videos. But in nineteen ninety nine, to try to watch a Soul Train video meant that someone had that shit on VHS mm-hmm. or DVD, and it was Questlove, of course the second love of my life, third love of my life, uh, who was, was like going to Japan and bringing back treasure troves of soul train videos for them to watch live performances of all of these people. So you're not that far off Russell that they were, you know, watching seventies soul. If it's anything like VHS tape from the seventies that I had in my house, you had to find a spot in your basement to hide it where nobody would ever find it. Oh my God. (laughs) You got to definitely stay away from the dryer. That's hanging from the ceiling and whizzing around down there too. Don't want to get hit in the head by that. It'd cause a concussion. What's that noise I hear downstairs? That's the dryer, mom. Just ignore it. Uh, All right. Here we have send it on. 
Whoops, forgot to put a timestamp on this one. I mean, it's great from the start. It doesn't matter. Well, listeners got to listen for five and a half minutes. Okay, hey, everyone, enjoy us. The beginning of the song is fantastic. This is awesome. Yep. This is Roy Hargrove on the trumpet. Rest in peace. I know you hate when I do that, but... Aaron, what do you think of D'Angelo as a singer? So he's kind of busting out the falsetto here. What what would you rank his singing abilities at? I would rank D'Angelo 10 out of 10 on musicality. Uh, you know, the weird thing about D'Angelo and this album, um, I do want to mention Russell Elevato, who was the, the engineer on the album, who I think was pretty instrumental in the overall sound. They tend to bury his voice in the mix, and I think that's part of him, I was gonna ask that, yeah. you know, going for the mystique. Uh, but I, I think he does have a great voice, and he does things that not anyone can do. He's clearly influenced by Prince. You know, he doesn't have a voice like Otis Redding or Sam Cooke that's going to, like, bring you right out of your seat with power. But uh, I think it's sensitive and I think it's flexible. But uh, yeah, I think they do some things to kind of obscure his voice that are interesting. And it's interesting that he's willing to allow that to happen. I'm going to edit this out, Aaron. But in future episodes, I wish you would do a little bit of research on these albums so you would know a little bit about what's going on. It's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) This album makes me want to kiss my Zoom camera. Should we all kiss our Zoom camera at the same time? No. Okay, never mind. Sorry about the onion breath, guys. I had a date at White Castle earlier. I apologize for that. I know it fogged up the whole of the Zoom camera. I apologize. That was my bad. Okay, we'll talk about this after the podcast. I see the Zoom camera. Chicken Grease. Oh, I love this song. I can't imagine how Aaron loves this chicken grease. This is like right up Aaron's alley. This is my favorite combination of movies, Chicken Run and Grease. I'm sorry. Edit it out. So here's the thing. Chicken Run's pretty good. I remember watching that one. Shout out Mel Gibson. So here's a, no, no, no. That is getting edited out. We are not shouting out Mel Gibson on this podcast. Are you fucking serious? You just shout out. Uh, 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 I want you to go to the hot tub and blow me. Uh, what? Uh, what? Uh, what is going on? Mel Gibson tapes. Is this like the whole Kogan oh tapes you've yes. been watching? Mel Gibson tapes where yeah. he called his wife on the voicemail and he was like. Uh, what? And she goes, I don't like you. Cause she knew she was recording it. So she just baited him. And she's like, you are a piece of shit. And you'd be like, huh, what? What, what did you just say? I want you to come out to what the hot tub and blow me. You know what? I'm going to put in a clip tapes. of the Mel Gibson tape below this saying below me. It's so good. Aaron, we are not shouting out Mel Gibson on this podcast. I know you didn't mean it like that, but that's sick. So Chicken Grease, I'm going to start the song again. I can't handle this. I'm not going to think about Mel Gibson every time I think about this song. Chicken Grease was a term Prince used when you're playing a, um, six, a chord with like a seventh note in it and 16th notes. So like a fast, that's what he called the the chicken grease, which is why they called it this. uh, But this was originally supposed to be a song for Common and D'Angelo traded him this song for a different song. Like just straight up traded a song, which is brilliant. So when I heard this song, I couldn't stop thinking of Aaron and his, his bucket of chicken. And then I started thinking of, you know, how Aaron and I do chicken differently. And you know who else sings about chicken differently? It's our guy, Beck. You guys got to check out this song. Beck also sings about chicken, but Beck does it rust style. He likes deep fried chicken and deep fried love. Check out Deep Fried Love by Beck. Oh, yeah. Sounds like Velvet Underground. It does a little. Yeah, see, see, back like nice. deep oh, fried love. We're supposed to keep it clean. The thing was is that Russ just accidentally found this song. Just type it in. <laughs> hey, back grease song. Back grease song. 
Answer, nice. result, done. So when it Question comes mark. to doing deep fried chicken songs, who does it better? Beck did it better. All right. We are getting in oh, now nice. to. This is one more gin? I think so, yeah. So one more gin. I've been wondering about how long it's been with me and my gin and tonics, and I hoped I'd get a chance to see it once again. And I'd love to kiss your lips, baby. Once again, I'm holding you tonight. I'm enjoying another gin and tonic. I'm having one more gin. It took me about three-fourths of the way to realize you weren't just talking to me, and I was like, all right, this kissing the Zoom camera thing is going to work out for me. This is great. God, listen to this, though. I mean, this reminds me of when I worked at a train yard, and there's a train that was so big we couldn't push it, and we needed one what? one more engine. You worked at a train yard? Well, no, I needed one more engine, Russ. It's the yeah, I was. You've seen uh, Rob soft baby hands. He's never done a day of manual labor. In his life. I was in charge of shaking the caboose. Uh, I mean, listen to this breakdown at the end of this song, like. It's like it, yeah, it totally cool. switches gear hit the end of kind of little funky. This is songs in the key jazz. of life. This is track four songs in the key of life for sure. I mean, he's definitely referencing yes. Stevie here. Absolutely. Oh, I hear that. Very cool. By the way, Stevie Wonder recorded. That that album. He recorded right? another one at that at that same studio. Right. So there's that's my facts. That's my facts compared to Aaron's facts. I said Stevie Wonder <laughs> recorded uh some <laughs> album at that studio. So Rob doing the research. Aaron, you always talk about the funk. So, is this considered funk? Is it R and B? Is it soul? What what is the what is this album considered? So, great question. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think that's people I typically refer to it as neo soul. I think he's taking elements of funk, but that reminds me of the shoes in the Matrix. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I couldn't. Hey, Aaron, Aaron, you're allowed to use a pregnant pause. You don't have to acknowledge Rob's terrible jokes. You can just pregnant pause. I use that same I joke on the Lauren Hill episode. <laughs> personally wouldn't classify this as a funk album, and I don't, I don't want to speak for the artists involved. I don't think they would classify it as a funk album because funk has a, uh, an element of precision that I think this album uh, I, I don't want to say forsook or rejected because that sounds negative, mm-hmm. but they were going more saying. toward the funkadelic than the parliament uh, end of things yeah. where they were looking for some more, I think it's a jazz album to be honest and a soul album, but um, they were going for more improvisation, a looser feel funk to me has it's more grooves, right? I mean, we're yes. talking grooves rather than like yes. synchronization, like synchronization. Yeah. God damn it. Rob. No, Rob, you're totally right. And funk has uh, a groove but it's a precise groove. Rob's right. You land Thank on you. the first beat and then you do what you want after, after the one. But uh, for, I don't know. And maybe if we, you know, if D'Angelo listens to this podcast, he might think differently, but I, I wouldn't call it funk. I would call it soul, uh, but highly influenced by jazz. That's a longer answer than you needed Russell. D'Angelo, if you're listening, 802-277-2325. <laughs> okay. We'll let you leave a voicemail. If it's any good, we'll think about having you on. Okay. My favorite part is if he sends a text and instead of having his beautiful voice, we get to use the computer voice for D'Angelo's text next week. Excuse me, guys. This is definitely influenced by finding the funk. Here's a picture of my feet. All right. Here we have the root. This was influenced oh, by... This. Uh, a Jimi Hendrix jam, believe it or not. They'd been jamming on a Jimi Hendrix song for a while, and this song came out of it. Is this the dragging drum? I wrote down dragging drum for this. This sounds like yeah, it to I me, think right? it is. Yeah, I definitely think it is. Uh, the guitarist here. Matt, what's your favorite song on the album so far? Devil's Pie. Devil's Pie? Yeah. 
It's in my top 100. Ooh. Ooh. This, I mean, this was a, a this was a tough album for me to listen to at work because the nature of my work is not to be listening to sexy songs and then immediately <laughs> go like, you know, talk to kids about how to write down notes. But it's it was a fun song to listen to because you could just zone in and zone out. And by the end, I just had the album on random, and you would just hear these grooves, and you could like focus. You didn't have to like listen to the music. It's so good. We've talked about it before, but I, I tend not to listen to the words a lot of times. Uh, you know, on a lot of these albums, I do the same really- thing with this podcast. Yeah, listen, you know. <laughs> but I think to your point, Rob, you can just have it on, and even with he's singing, but you're not really hearing what the words mm-hmm. are, but you hear like kind of the instrument of his voice, if that makes sense. And you can just have sense. it on in the background, and it makes and it makes complete sense, and it 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 it, it, it works, I guess, is the best way to say it. And so that's why I, you know, to your point, I'm. Are you focusing when you're always listening to these albums? I'm not always focusing on the albums. I'm just kind of feeling the vibe, if you will. Um, and this this album has that definitely. This album, I think almost more than any album we've listened to, the vibe is constant throughout this album, which is what, yes. why I don't like that Method Man, Red Man song is that it, it it's so different, but the vibe on this album is so strong of just juicy, chunky, sexy grooves, which was also my nickname in high school. So think about it. <laughs> it it's perfect mm-hmm. for every occasion. It lends itself to putting on in the background. It lends itself to deep study of what they were doing. It lends itself to hanging out with someone special to you. It's, it's, it's you know, it has all, all kinds of purposes. This one reminds me uh, uh, when I wanted to buy El Marijuana, Spanish joint. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish for the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I, can't, this, I didn't this want to steal I Russell's love. bit, but now Russell's already done his bit. I will say, I opened some Spanish wine tonight because I had to have a Spanish joint. So nice. I wanted to be just like Russell. I played the hey, beginning gonna, of the song. Hey, listen no, to how no this one, builds. Oof. No wonder that Houston guy called you out for being high as hell. <laughs> if this isn't jazz, I don't know what is. I think my favorite part of this song is the conga drums. We've talked about conga drums maybe once or twice before. You guys hear those? Yep. What is a conga drum? Is that the tall boy? Actually, Rob, I have a description of the congas for you guys tonight because oh, we're doing a list this. on the greatest songs ever that oh. feature the conga drums. Mm, this is this it's, 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 it's time. It's going to be good. Four, three, two, one. I should do this sound clip and make the countdown from like 30. 30, 29, 28, 27, 30 and make a pregnant pause between each number. <laughs> So funny. Can you imagine how many of our listeners would have pregnant pause events while they're listening to this D'Angelo album right now? And I know there's some listeners who are ignoring the pregnant pauses because they're listening to it at 1.5 or it's the sick freaks who are doing it at 2x speeds. You fuckers, listen to this in real time, you losers. Or it could be the people who accidentally didn't pinch off the tip of that that uh, device that they were using too, right? Provolactic. I like that you call a condom a device. I think that's very good. All right, so congas, they're also known as a, a tumbadora. It's a tall, narrow, single-headed drum from Cuba, and it's, it's often known for being used in Latin music, um, jazz, salsa, merengue, and Latin rock. And so I was kind of wondering first, what's the difference between a conga and a bongo? Do you guys know the difference? I don't. I hope you're going to tell us. I don't know. I, I think a conga is a long, tall one, right? And the bongo are two... Because my grandmother used to have a couple of bongo drums, which we would play with all the time until mysteriously they disappeared. <laughs> they know they were no longer in my grandmother's basement somehow after about the 10th time we went over there. 
Rob, you are you are spot on. The bongo is is a higher pitch, thinner, and it's shorter than the conga. The conga's the conga's bigger. It has a what, different sound to it. You're right on. What's the Spanish name for the conga again? The tumbadora. Ooh, that makes me want a whiskey drink and a cider drink. <laughs> that, that's about as close as you can get. I'll, we'll give you credit for that. Songs remind us of the good times. And the songs remind us of the, of the bad, bad times. times. Let's just play that instead of my list. I would totally be Don't happy worry, if we listen to the that right now because I hate future Rob. <laughs> no, I'm excited for this list. I know what's on here. It rocks. It rocks my face. All off. right. So the first song, I think we have to call this out. This is probably where they might do like a conga line at a wedding where they're not playing where they're not playing Rob's. Uh, what what do we normally hear at weddings? Thriller. Rob, thriller. Yeah, we normally yeah, hear thriller. They're not playing thriller. They might be doing Chicken this. Dance. This is Miami Sound Machine. Gloria Stefan. This is the song Conga. You hear that conga in the background? Oh yeah, it's that kind of constant. Ooh, it's gonna be hard to do. You could do worse than spend like a whole day listening to the Miami Sound Machine, right? Like if you yes, put this on absolutely. all day, you'd be happy. All their songs are conga. If you if you Google like famous conga songs, it's Miami Sound Machine across the board. Yes. Oh, it's so good. All right, number two on the list. We've covered this one. It's the greatest album of all time, and it's unimpeachable at this point. This is Marvin Gaye, Inner City Blues. We've talked about Woo! this before. You guys Woo! remember this one? Yep. A little more laid back. God. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you furious. what. Marvin Gaye, a huge influence on this album, and you can hear it. I mean, he's probably yes. the number one influence on this album, right? Listen to it. You can hear it. So similar. He also, yeah, in fact, Rob, that's a perfect segue. When D'Angelo was looking for a bass player, he was looking for his own James Jamerson. He was looking for a bass player to be like this. I've been Pino looking Pino for Pino. like three or four shots of Jameson before I take my date to White Castle. <laughs> I was going to say, for Valentine's Day, we all just want our own James Jamerson, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but Russell, are you going to mention the apes that come out and kill all the people? What? Oh, that's right. We're not talking about Congo. Congo. It was a Michael Crichton book and movie. Okay, movie. Well, then. there goes my number three song. I was going to do a whole rip off on Congo. Okay. But instead, I'll move on to Amy. one of the greatest bands ever. How about Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil? This is the Ooh. opening. You guys will all know this part. Let me introduce myself. Dang, this is an opening. Can't wait till Ooh. we get back to the Stones. I, I played this song once in my car, and I was so proud of my kids because I was playing this, and I just heard them in the background when they were like two or three. They're going, hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo. And I was like, hell yeah. Hoo-hoo. Listen to that. God dang. This, this list rocks, Russell. Yeah, Russell, crushing it again. I, oh, it it's about to get better. Would it be stressful to, to play better. the conga, do you think, in a drum? Because it sounds like they're not playing on a rhythm. It sounds like they're kind of like, there's a lot of syncopation going on. Going on. Well, that actually, Rob, I, like crazy. I was hoping to share with you guys, there are four different strokes that come with the conga. Can I share a few of those with you guys? You hear the strokes, yep. Mm, different so the strokes. Is that what the show Different Strokes was about? Well, this is way better, Rob. <laughs> I know we're not allowed to have dirty jokes, but if you guys keep your mind out of the gutter for a little bit, the first one is an open tone oh. where it's played with four fingers near the rim of the head. Oh. Okay. Pregnant pause. The, I get the it. second one yep. <laughs> is a closed or flesh tone or simply a muff, like an open tone. It's made by striking the drum with four fingers, but holding the fingers against the head to muffle the tone. <laughs> Doing great. Doing great. Yep. The third the third strike is called a bass tone. It's played with the full palm, Rob. You play with the full palm. 
in a slightly in a slightly cupped position, somewhat off center of the head. <laughs> and the final one, Rob, the final the final way to play the conga drum is called a slap tone. It's the most difficult technique, but it produces a loud and clear popping sound. The muted or press slap tone is played with an open tone while the hand rests against the drum head. Oh. Oh. Is there one where you're okay? Is there one where you're crying afterwards? Uh, that's the best joke I can come up with. Rob, you dumb shit. Oh god, that's so good. Oh, no. Listen. Hey, this is a musical podcast. I'm talking about the way that this was direct off Wikipedia, Rob. I used your research you style. Those, you this is how drum. you play the conga. The good news is when you're working with what I'm working with, one-handed strokes are your only option. <laughs> Otherwise, one's just grabbing air. Dang it. I relapsed. I was doing so well. I got to... This is bad. All right, next up on the list. Let's see if you guys remember this one. This is Eric Burden and War Spill the Wine. You remember this one? Yes. There used to be a wine shop called Spill the Wine in Minneapolis. Dig that girl. Eric Burden's Aaron, who, sing, Aaron who sings this song? Eric Burden and War? Yeah, let's keep it that way. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you walked right into that, didn't you? Actually, the singer on this song is terrible, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's into singing. <laughs> so, Aaron, I do want you to sing the song. <laughs> yeah, listen to those congas. I would say he's doing the... What, 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 what stroke do you think he's doing on that one? That sounded a lot like a slap. That sounded difficult. I, th- I think he was definitely doing the muffled tone. He was he was, he was was striking the drum yeah, with four fingers on that one. Sometimes you get too close to the end of the song before you want to, and so you have to muffle it down. And- <laughs> This is this is a music podcast. Just think about White Let's Castle. Keep it clean. That beat just gets a little quick. Yeah, you got to slow down yes. that beat. You got to keep the tempo yeah. slower because you can't you can't end the song when you're looking at Steven Tyler doing a flip. You got to wait until they're at the yeah. strip club. <laughs> Aaron was talking about how he didn't like the slow tempo on Carol King a few weeks ago. He likes a faster mm-hmm. tempo. I'm mm-hmm. never gonna live that one down. I made a mistake. I'm gonna have to make a. His three favorite albums in a row are like walking through a swamp. I know. I still love that Rob Rob started out this whole Zoom call by saying, guys, do you think we're a little too dirty? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he should have told me that before I looked at all the strokes for the the conga drum. That was my fault. I didn't get that instruction. Next week's list is going to be all the strokes for the bongo drum. I can't wait for that. (laughs) But we got to stay on this week's list. Here's the the number one song. more sense because they're shorter. (laughs) There's two of them. (laughs) They're All right, here's so the number one. Here's the number one conga song ever, and this is a a rosy favorite. This is Curtis Mayfield. We are the people, darker than blue. Oh, Check wow. this out. This is awesome. I know we've all got problems. That's why I'm here to say. I do love Curtis Mayfield. Indeed. And I with you. Let me love in my own way. I mean, listen to those. I mean, there are no jokes to make here. It's just beautiful music. This is badass, isn't it? Yes. I was going to play a Santana song, but I remember at some point someone made a Rob Thomas Santana joke, and I thought I would get made fun of, so I didn't well, put them on I, I the list. I looked it up, and I think they use bongos on those, not congas. That's I why I didn't it put it on the list. Yeah, so they're shorter, they're shorter drums. They use different right. strokes. Oh, love the Curtis Mayfield shout. Also, because I Russ, think Curtis was so Mayfield smooth. was an uh, unsung influence on this album. So, Russell, you, uh, once again, just incredible kudos on your list making. 
Nailed Boom. it. Boom. Nice. Too bad it's going to be edited out because it's so dirty, but we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into Feel Like Making Love. Oh. What is this song about, Aaron? Well, it's about uh, when a... When two people really man, I was gonna go straight into the birds and bees, and now you have to like really try. Oh, to I can't wait for Aaron to that. give his birds and the bees yeah. speech to his son. <laughs> Aaron's just gonna put on this album and let his son listen to it. And say, do you understand? That's all you need, and he'll be fine. <laughs> Deal, Russell. That's so smart. I'm gonna invite you to come out for that. You can just like come Uncle Russell's gonna us. read you about the different conga strokes. <laughs> I learned today this song. So originally recorded by Roberta Flack, who's one of our podcast faves, uh, mm-hmm. was written by Eugene McDaniel, and Eugene McDaniel. Uh, had a really influential psychedelic funk soul album called um, Headless Horseman of the Apocalypse. Uh, that was people talk about it as the the Aloe Black said this in an interview that it was the what's going on, but he wasn't asking what's going on. He was telling you what's going on. And the Nixon administration asked his record label to scrap it. So um, Eugene McDaniel ended up being pretty, uh, you know, kind of tossed on the the funeral pyre of history but he's a great uh, funk soul pioneer and he wrote this song and then roberta flack recorded it and then uh d'angelo did his own thing with it it's a great tune can you imagine being d'angelo and saying that you feel like making love and then you can actually like do something about it that is such a foreign <laughs> concept i don't think i've ever said like oh i feel like making love and then like gone and done it i'm always like <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to go to bed a little early tonight. We'll just see what happens. And it's like, I'm I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm very tired. I've always been way more successful when I say, I feel like eating White Castle. And then I just pound that crave case. I'm batting a thousand Hall of Fame. It's me at night. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired too. What are you doing? Nothing. Why does it smell like onions? Hey, why are you walking around with your eyes closed in the bedroom eating white castles? <laughs> That's it. Those Podcast pickles? over. Perfect callback. <laughs> Guys, this is the perfect episode. I'm going to call it right now. Best episode ever. Here we go. Oh, that means it's going to be the worst. No. <laughs> Always. Listen, this song sums it up. Great day and morning. Great groove. No idea what he's saying. He could be talking about like QAnon stuff and wanting to go storm the Capitol. I would have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> that would be surprising. All right. This is the big boy. How does it feel? Ooh-wee. It's called Untitled. This was the song that put this album absolutely on the map. The song or the video? And it was 100% the video. If you look up, in fact, I'll put in the show notes. I'll put a link to this video. Okay. This will probably get us kicked off Apple podcast, but this was a video where, and I made these guys watch it beforehand because this was a video where literally it just is zooming to different parts of D'Angelo's naked torso all the way down to like the hip bones those v-shaped muscles which oh i got i got those yeah i, I got have multiple those too down there not even yeah. a big deal it's more like a u but it works <laughs> this hit number 25 on the charts because of the video they played this video so many times before this the album was thought to be a bomb and this came out and it was a juggernaut of a video it played over and over and over and over I, I do uh, think it's a I, great song. I, I tried your uh, your experiment, Rob. You know, we put the kids, read, read books, put them to bed, and I said, oh, Rob's got this video he wants you to watch, Sarah. Oh, no. And put the put it on. He's like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And then just put the phone down and went. So it didn't work. It didn't work for me. 
I think that did work though, because if she would have been like, oh my God, this is the hottest thing I've seen in my life, you'd be sitting there like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Rob, you sent us this video, and if you guys scroll twice, down a little bit way. on YouTube, I it to you and twice. if you guys scroll down a little bit Just and looked at the YouTube comment, I love this quote about this. It said, halfway through this song, and I'm already pregnant. I thought it was just an amazing comment. For whoever the YouTuber is that put that out there, I, I applaud you for skipping the pregnant pause and just going right for it. It was fantastic. The weird thing is, is that the first commenter on this video is Alicia Silverstone. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and the thing about this, right, is that this is the song that absolutely buried D'Angelo, the tour for this album was a disaster because he would go out, he'd be singing, and 30 seconds later, they don't care about, you know, the people coming that would see this video and then go to his concert, they didn't care about Prince, they didn't care about the funk, they didn't care about any of this stuff. They would literally be yelling to him, take off your clothes right now, that's what I want to see. He, this, this video was so sexy that it pretty much ruined his life for like three years. Can you imagine something so sexy? That's like all people can think of when they think of you. No, 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 Rob. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. But I thank, thank you for bringing it up. But no, I can't imagine it. But I think it's real so for him. I think it's real for him. That it ruined my life for three I think years. it has to do with where he, how he grew up. He was a true church musician. That's how he was raised. That's how he was steeped. And then when he, when he left church music, he was devoted to learning new music and learning the funk and learning soul. And he says it on Black Messiah 15 years later. If you've asked him where I've been, I hope it's not my abdomen that you're referring to. And we oh, as brilliant. we as dudes who haven't looked like him can't imagine how that been. feels, but he it really messed him up to be a sex symbol. He didn't he didn't like it. And you know, I mean, props to him for feeling that that his music was the most important because he had something to say. Yeah, whatever. That, that, that's like rich people saying, oh, it's hard. It's hard being wealthy. Like, give me, give me a break. Yeah. How, how many times has he had to take anyone to White Castle and act like it was a great date? Yeah, give me a break. I have no pity for him. The idea of somebody's face looking happy when I take my shirt off is such a foreign concept to me. I can't, it boggles my mind. To, it doesn't stop you from writing shirtless throwing all those doesn't stop you from those around. <laughs> just imagine right now in the job you have right now right that you go oh. in and they say i'm sorry but you're too sexy you can't do this anymore you'd be like wait what this is the best oh, day of great. my life i'm so happy this is awesome <laughs> can't imagine now we have better. the last song on the album africa kind of a letdown i would say I read that I, mean, uh, I read that there are some reverse guitars on here, so I think this is another thing Elevada was doing, where he was. What is maybe, a reverse guitar? I think it's, it's that he it's, was. Uh, it's when ahead, you Rob. hold it upside down. Okay. And then. Uh, okay. There's apparently a <laughs> drum sample. Okay, in I was thinking that probably. Okay, I'm gonna edit in one of your laughs. That was bullshit. Okay. I mean, I was thinking he's probably playing them backwards. Well, it's like a Beatles type thing. I mean, I do think the Beatles are an influence on this album too, which I haven't even mentioned, and I'm, I'm remiss in mentioning this late. But absolutely, uh, this this song I think encapsulates the simplicity and complexity kind of balance that he was striking all all through. There was a song, and I want to say it's Great Day, Good Morning, where they actually ended it because they ran out of tape. And the engineer was like, hey, this is just like, you know, she's so heavy. So we're going to keep right, it in there just like that. tape for this album, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it too, the noise. All yeah. right, so that is it for Voodoo. And I got to tell you, Aaron, I, I, I can't give a real rating to this, obviously, because I've painted myself in this corner of only giving <laughs> joke ratings. This was one of these albums where this list has really been enlightening for me. I first listened to this album, I was like, I don't get it. 
by the third listen, I was like, this is so fun to listen to. It was just, it was just unbelievable. So I guess thank you for being a fan of this album. Get out of here, Aaron. What are you trying to bring that bullshit into my podcast for? <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> All the positivity You're in this town sucks. <laughs> Get mad at Aaron for thinking about something. Oh my God, it's late. It's so late. This episode went so long. It was worth it. Double album, double episode. It's true. All right. So let's get into our rating system. Russ, let's start with you. What do you think? And the rating system, before I forget, is, is this album. This is at 28. Is this album rolling well-toned means it's perfect at 28, just where it should be. Did this album get rolling boned? Okay, that means it should be higher than 28. It should not be so low on the list. Or is this a rolling groan? This album is too high on the list, which means that it should be, uh, it, it's too low of a number. It should be a higher number. Therefore, later on the list, but sooner uh, if you're going reverse <laughs> numerically, which is what Rolling Stone did. Going reverse I, I had never heard of D'Angelo before we started this quest. I'd never heard of him until when the list got reset and Matt noted that D'Angelo jumped from like 400 up to 30. I had never heard these songs. Maybe I've heard these songs, but I'd never recognized them. And the only thing I knew is Aaron was super excited about this. And this really shocked me. I really like this way more than I thought it I would. To me, it's a little bit one note. It's kind of like the same slow drum. It's the same kind of beat the whole time. So it's a little bit one note, but it's also the first album that I believe referenced the word mojo. So I got to give it credit that we're referencing the word mojo. So I'm going to give it a uh, rolling well-toned. I, you know, it is only one note, but it is a slap note. And so I think that's, that's a good one. Uh, man, <laughs> well, I, think it was, I think it was a, a four, a four fingered cuff slap. Note, Rob. <laughs> I just get it right. You don't want to let yourself down. There's better ways to do that. I am not ever going to say the term four-fingered muff slap. Thank you. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? I, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to be as well-versed as Rosie in this uh, album, but I I definitely listened to a lot of D'Angelo uh, late high school, early college. And, See. you know, this was just a perfect time to kind of trying to figure out like what jazz was, you know, and try to figure out like why some of the stuff from the eighties was so popular. The, the Prince, you know, I, I'd never really got Prince, but now listening to this album um, and kind of going through the jazz phase, I just went through and mm -hmm. all the, you know, this is just a great uh, kind of newer age jazz tone, I think. And I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of struggling to get to the well, exactly how I feel about it, but I think it's just, it's not radio. Um, it's easy listening. You have, like Russell said, you've got horns, you got rhythm, you've got vocals and it all comes together, uh, to a bunch of bangers. We haven't used the word bangers in a mm. long time, but I think these songs are bangers personally. You know, I, 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 I can understand why you think there's, it's kind of a one note thing, but I, I just absolutely love going through this album. And so I think it got rolling boned, meaning it's nice. too low on the list, Rob. Right. I once again, once I've done my initial bit, I cannot remember. I mean, yeah. it depends what you mean low on the list. I, I'll show you a diagram later. I got a diagram. <laughs> okay, the list yeah, goes we'll up go or down. Diagram, yeah. I, I think Matt, you might have meant it got bass tone, which means it got played with the full palm, the full palm, <laughs> full the palm, full yeah. palm, Matt. Yeah, Matt. It's, yeah, it's so like no, that book. I, it's like that book that you got. The list is really relative. <laughs> All relative. <laughs> uh, so I know. I think. I think it got rolling boned and. Um, you know, it's hard for me to, to say which 
ones we should jump ahead of here, but I just think this is a great album and it came out at a great time. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, all right. So Aaron, uh, what did you think of this? Uh, I think mm-hmm. the song yep. sucks. Oh, Aaron. Oh, why would you say Aaron, that about D'Angelo? Two albums D'Angelo. in a row. I love that. Come on. D'Angelo. <laughs> Even on the old list, he was a top 500 artist and you're just going to rag on yeah. him. Damn. Uh, Aaron, would you say, Aaron, would you say this is a big album? A big album? That's what I'm going to start calling my penis. Oh, Aaron. Why would you <laughs> oh. call for that one, too, you dummy? Jeez. Here's what I have to say about this album. I've already said more than anyone cares to hear about my thoughts on this album. Uh, in the context of the list, I f- feel that this is our first sort of throwback album on the list, right? And mm-hmm. yes. I could be wrong. The album is derivative in a good way, in a great way. And it took older ideas and made them his own. Um, And so for me, as I've said, it's one of my top five favorite albums. I listened to it so many times this week. I'm not going to stop listening to this album when we're done. So I will love this album forever. I'm going to surprise you. And I'm going to say, I feel like it's rolling well toned as far as a specific number. It is to me, better than many of the albums that we've heard that rank higher on the list above it. But I think we might hear albums that come after it that this album borrowed from. And so I'm going to say it's rolling well tone as a number 29. But for me, as you know, personally, it's one of my all-time favorites. The predecessors aren't getting their credit, you're saying. I'm saying, yeah, this album, you know, would is, is looking to the four mothers and fathers. And so I, those people should also get their due as well. Get their flowers, as they say. You guys are close, but the correct answer is this album gets a rolling hip bone. All I can think about are his hip bones when I think about oh, this album. They're so beautiful, right? <laughs> He's too sexy. I mean, this video to make a to make a song like this and then to actually look sexy, how often does that happen? That almost never, never. happens. It's it's Only it's one. crazy. You know, I think I'm one of the few examples of that. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go on like a three I'd have to go on like a three hundred day fast to ever claim I've got a hip bone. <laughs> All right. So next up we have number nine. Number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. We have Beatles, the white album, the song, the album we were getting ready to do before the emergency list took over. You know what, guys? I like this album so much. I'm, you know what grade I'm going to give it, actually? A D plus, Angelo. Again, two podcasts in a row. <laughs> oh, that's not right. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. That's even the shit. This is a But you're just too lazy to look that's it up online. If you want to hear four guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. Oh, wait, you guys didn't do it, you lying fucks. <laughs> got him. We got him. The, the only funk I brought to this podcast was that onion breath from that last trip I made to White Castle. We got the funk. Ow. I got the funk. Oh, Ow. We need the funk. Sir, you'll notice all of our crave cases in our under glass. You need to ask us to <laughs> get them. Ah, uh, yes, I will never Excuse return. Me. Goodbye. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I hate to interrupt you while you're doing the scanning, but I need to get in their crave case out of that glass case over there. 